0: Good morning. In college, I was in choir, and I had a choir director um, in men's choir who was was quite the character. Um, So one day, uh, one of my fellow choir members decided to not show up for probably the third or fourth time. And uh, so our choir director was like, let's go, guys. We're going to the dorms. So we went to the dorms, knocked on his door, didn't answer. It was unlocked. We went in, and we started singing. Um, he woke up, and he, he never missed again. Um, our choir director was, was pretty strict, honestly. And uh, while that, it's, it's funny to look back on, um, he was a pretty strict guy. And if that's all you knew about this choir director, you would think he's maybe uncaring as a leader. But quite the opposite. He took me out to lunch several times just to see how I was doing. And he did that with everybody. And there was a lot of people in this choir. He held us to high standards. We were to be on time. We were to put in the hard work of practicing. But he also made it super clear that he really cared about us. Instinctively, we look up to and desire leaders who are strong and powerful while simultaneously being compassionate and caring. And we we look in our lives for someone like this, but, but people never quite measure up to that, right? They're either a little too far this way or too far that way. And I think God put that longing in our hearts for a leader who is both compassionate and strong, so that we would search them out and find out that that person we were looking for all along is Jesus. Martin Luther King Jr. said that power without love is reckless and abusive, and love without power is sentimental and anemic, and that is so true. We're going to see today, and we're going to see next week in Luke chapter 7, that Jesus is going to show himself to be both compassionate and powerful, and often compassionate and powerful in the same instance. So this week, we're going to look at the first chunk, but we're going to be answering this question. So at the end of Luke chapter 7, you can start turning there if you like, but at the end of Luke chapter 7, verse 49, people ask, who is this man? Talking about Jesus. Who is this guy? And so we're, I want to show you these answer, the answers of he is compassionate and he is powerful. I want you to see it this week, but I want you to see it next week as well. So if you open to Luke chapter 7 verse 1, really notice his compassion, but also his power as I read. Luke 7, 1, when he, Jesus, had concluded saying all this to the people who were listening, he had just given this, this big sermon, he entered Capernaum. A centurion's servant who was highly valued by him was sick and about to die. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him requesting him to come and save the life of his servant. When they reached Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly saying, He is worthy for you to grant this because he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Verse 6, Jesus went with them. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, since I am not worthy to have come under your roof, to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Jesus heard this and was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found so great a faith even in Israel. Then those who had been sent returned to the house. They found the servant in good health. First here we see both Jesus' compassion and power through his mere reputation. Verse 3, we learn that this centurion just heard about Jesus. Okay, He had never seen Jesus in person. He had never heard him preach or speak. He had only heard about Jesus. But yet, based off of Jesus' reputation, he recognizes both Jesus' power and compassion. Now, a centurion was a, a Gentile Roman military leader. And they got their names because originally they would be over 100 centurion, 100 soldiers. But um, it's, it's believed that that number kind of varied over time. But um, he, was, he had power. He was, over, uh, he, was over, he was a military commander over soldiers. Now we read here that it says he sent, this centurion, he sent some Jewish elders to Jesus requesting him to come. This centurion doesn't just go to Jesus himself because he recognizes Jesus' greatness. So he requests as well. He doesn't go and ask himself. He's showing reverence, but he also requests him to come. He doesn't demand come here right now. He could have. He's a centurion. He's in power. He said, go get this guy, Jesus. Tell him to come to my house right now. I mean, he had the power to do that, but he doesn't. He requests that he come. Somehow, this centurion knew this respect that Jesus deserved. and says, come and save the life of his servant, the people he sent. Say, hey, come save the life of this centurion's servant. See, this centurion realized that Jesus had a compassionate, caring heart. He knew that Jesus saved people from illness. He had heard about that happening. He knew that Jesus was about saving life. Yet, even In this statement, come and save this life of the life of my servant, he recognizes the power of Jesus. You have the ability to do this. Verse 6, it says, Jesus went with them. Now, that's, that's a short, simple phrase. You might pass over it. But why did Jesus go with them? I mean, Jesus had a lot to do. There was a lot of people clamoring for his attention. Why did Jesus go? Was it because these Jewish leaders spoke so highly of this centurion? Now just to note, these Jewish leaders weren't forced into coming to Jesus. They chose to because they realized that this guy, this centurion, genuinely did care for the Jewish people. He even built them a synagogue, we learn in here. So these guys aren't strong-armed into it. They aren't coerced into it. So Jesus didn't go because these guys came and said, this this guy's legit. Jesus already knew about this guy. Jesus is God, right? Jesus went to show compassion, and he went to show that his compassion has no boundaries. See, Jesus didn't come to show compassion just on Jews, but on everyone, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile, powerful, powerless. He came to seek and save the lost, and that's everybody. Everybody. Now, Roman Gentile centurions were not the people, though, according to the Jews, that you would show compassion on. Okay? This guy had it made. All right, He is a centurion. He's a guy in power. He, he, uh, he can tell people to go here and do that. He's got it made. He's rich. But Jesus has compassion on him. See, Jesus' compassion doesn't discriminate. See, here's what's true. Bill Gates... Is, in, is as in need of the compassion and help of God as the person standing on the street corner with a cardboard sign. Everybody, it doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter who you are, is in desperate need of Jesus. It doesn't matter what you've done or haven't done. Jesus goes, nope, I came to seek and save the lost, and that's you, and that's you, and that's you, and that's, you, and that's me, and that's Everybody. So it doesn't discriminate. He's not afraid to go to someone in power who, who has everything on the surface and show them actually you lack one thing and it's the most important thing. It's the compassion and power of the savior of the universe. Now we see in, in the end of verse seven, Jesus's power starts to take center stage. It says in the end of verse seven, but say the word And my servant will be healed. For I too am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes, to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Did you catch what this guy knew about Jesus' power, even though he had never met Jesus? He knew that Jesus didn't even have to be present with someone in order to heal him. Imagine this, okay? Imagine that you have at home or in a hospital right now, you have a son who is terminally ill on their deathbed, and you come up after the service today and go, Matt, can you pray for my son? And I just go healed. And you go home or you go to the hospital, and your son is completely fine. Can you imagine that? That's what Jesus does in this passage, and this guy knew it. He says, all you have to do is say the word, and he can be healed. You don't even have to be physically present for this to happen. He knew just because of Jesus' status, he could snap his fingers, and it would be done. Now, this section culminates in the compassion and power of Jesus on full display. Look at verse 10. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant in good health. Jesus actually proves to be even more powerful than the centurion thought because Jesus doesn't even say a word and this guy is healed, at least that we know of. It's not like he goes, yep, I'm going to heal him. Nope, doesn't say that. he, He just moves on. Jesus somehow just thinks it. I mean, somehow he's God, right? And he's healed. Jesus is so powerful that words are not even necessary to heal someone. What compassion here, though. Yes, it's Jesus' power, but it's his compassion. Remember, Jesus doesn't even know the centurion, or at least he hasn't met this guy face to face. And he hasn't met the guy that he healed either. This is the centurion's servant. He's never encountered these guys face to face. Yet he shows compassion on a stranger. Or is he a stranger? Not to Jesus. Jesus knew both the centurion and the guy that he healed inside and out. And without even meeting them, he loves them deeply. Isn't this us? Think about it. We've never met Jesus face to face. At least I haven't. Maybe you have. Never met him face-to-face. The people we are praying for often, I mean, for sure haven't met Jesus face-to-face. And sometimes we're praying for people who even say they hate Jesus, right? Yet, Jesus shows compassion. He shows his power and compassion over and over in our lives and in the lives of other people. I'll never forget the day that we decided to part ways with our associate pastor here. Easily one of the hardest days of my life. A friend in in our church felt nudged that day to call me and encourage me, and he had no idea what was going on. Shared some scripture with me and just felt nudged to call me and share that with me and encourage me. Talk about Jesus' power, right? The power of Jesus to tell this guy that Matt needs some encouragement today, so he calls me. And then the the compassion of Jesus to care for me through this person. See, Jesus is showing off his power and compassion all the time. The question is, do we recognize it? And do we receive it? Let's turn to the next uh, instance where we see Jesus' compassion and power. Let's keep reading in 7 verse 11. Afterward, he was on his way to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. Just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was also with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Don't weep. Then he came up and touched the open coffin, and the pallbearer stopped. And he said, Young man, I tell you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Then fear came over everyone, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. This report about him went throughout Judea and all the vicinity. So in case you missed it, here's the scene. Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd of people who were following Jesus at the time go into this small town of Nain. And there's a funeral procession going by as they're coming into this town. And this funeral procession had an open casket. Now this was common um, in this culture. um, But an open casket, you could just see this, this son dead. It's being carried out. And because of the dress of this gal and, and the position probably in the ceremony, they, they recognized, oh, wow, this is, this is a widow. But somehow we learn in here that this was her only son who passed away. Now, my guess is that Jesus just knew that because he's God. Um, but anyways, they're walking in, and they see this. And um, what motivates and drives Jesus' following actions here is, is, is quite stunning. So I would think that Jesus would seize this opportunity and raise this boy from the dead so that he could just loudly proclaim, look, I am God. I'm the Messiah. I've come. But that's, that's not what we learn in the text is his motive. This surely does that. And he doesn't do it to gain attention, although it does that as well. Verse 13, it says, when the Lord saw her, He had compassion on her. Compassion for this widow who lost her only son. She was also a widow, which means her husband had passed away as well. This is Jesus. Jesus is intensely personal and compassionate and caring. This word compassion here means being moved deep from within, from the heart, and Jesus empathized with her. He, he felt her pain and her loss so much so that he couldn't just say, I'm sorry for your loss, pat her on the back, and move on. No, he has to do something about it. His compassion moves him to action. Now, who's ever been a pallbearer before? Anybody? Okay, lots of you. So here, if you haven't, Here's the, the, the strange thing about being a pallbearer. It's really nerve-wracking, because you're like, man, what if I drop it, you know, and then the, the body goes, fly, like you have that, but at the same time, you are just an emotional wreck, because they don't pick pallbearers to be random people. Sometimes I wish they would. No, you're really close to this person who passed away, so you're like, we be, go, okay, gotta be strong, you know, it's just, it's a it really is a tough job. I, I feel you out there, for those who have been pallbearers or have to do that in the future, it's, it's tough. Now imagine being a pallbearer for this funeral, but there's no lid, okay? And you're not just carrying it for a few feet here. You're carrying this probably for miles, all right? So you're trying to be really careful in your emotional wreck. And here's, on top of that, it's a widow with her only son who just died, and you obviously know the family. So imagine doing this, and a random guy comes up and touches the casket. Now, my first thought would be like, hey, dude, don't, like, don't, we don't want to drop it, right? But everyone stops. It says in the text that, that they stopped, obviously, because they, they didn't want to screw it up. This random guy comes up and touches the casket and you're all confused and then he asks this person you love so much to get up and he gets up and starts talking. I, I can't quite imagine this. I've been a pallbearer a number of times. I can't imagine this happening. Now imagine being the widow. You're about to bury your only son after you've buried your husband, I can't imagine having to bury any of my kids, much less a spouse or my only kid, and, and, and perhaps you've literally been there, and I, I'm so sorry, but imagine this, and then imagine a random guy comes up, tells you to stop crying, and you're like, yeah, whatever, right? Right? And then he raises your son back to life and and brings his son over to you. This is an unimaginable act of compassion. You would feel more cared for and loved in those few seconds than you have any other moment of your life if that happened to you. This actually happened. Okay, here's... Here's what often happens when we read scripture, particularly the stories of Jesus. We go, oh, wow, yeah, Jesus is amazing. He did that. That's cool. No, go back and read this today. Jesus raised the guy from the dead. I, I mean, I, I just can't imagine in, in space and time someone being raised from the dead. And this happened. Let this sink in. Somehow I I actually have missed this story in the Bible. I knew about Lazarus, okay, and and Jairus' daughter, okay, but I, I never noticed it. I've read the Bible quite a bit. I've read straight through this and didn't really notice it. He raised a dude from the dead. And this is only a taste of how compassionate Jesus is. Do you believe that? Now I want to look at the responses that people have to Jesus' compassion and power in here. The first response we see from the centurion is faith. Or another word for faith is trust. Verse 9, Jesus heard this and was amazed at him, at the centurion, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I I have not found so great a faith even in Israel. Jesus is amazed at this guy. Jesus literally created everything, God of the universe. He's the one you get amazed about, and he's amazed by something. You don't see this in Scripture hardly ever, where Jesus is amazed by a human being. But he is. He's amazed at this guy's faith, at his trust. What made the centurion's trust so great? Verse 6 and 7 tell us, Centurion says, Lord, don't trouble yourself, since I'm not worthy to have, come under, to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. He's not demanding, he's not presuming, but he knows Jesus' power and his compassion. Yet he doesn't even interact with Jesus out of reverence for him. He doesn't interact with him directly. He's humble. He knows his place and that Jesus is in charge, not him. Yet, he knew all Jesus had to do was say a word and his servant would be healed. Trusting in Jesus' compassion and power is not demanding and it's not presuming. Jesus may have you in a tough situation right now or in the future out of love and compassion for you. Jesus may be waiting till just the right moment, though, to show you his love and compassion and how he's working all of that out. Trusting in Jesus' compassion and power does not mean that he displays it just how you want it, right when you want it. Trusting in Jesus' compassion and power means you trust in Jesus' timing and in his means of displaying that compassion and power. Remember Jesus' greatest act of compassion and power? It was actually super unexpected. Jesus compassionately lays down his life on a cross. Jesus compassionately took God's wrath for our sin on himself in our place, and all of that was not what his followers wanted or expected. They wanted a military victory over Rome. Let's grab the... the Pitchforks, let's grab the knives, let's go out. We're going to have a military victory and take these guys over who are oppressing us. They wanted Jesus leading that charge, but instead, he's dead. Then Jesus powerfully rose from the dead to conquer death, and he powerfully left after that and sent his Holy Spirit to empower believers. But that's not what his followers wanted or expected. They wanted Jesus with them. They wanted Jesus leading, not the Holy Spirit. Yet all of that was a beautiful, perfect display of the compassion and power of God. Trust that Jesus is compassionate and he is powerful. But also trust the timing and the means in which he displays them. What turned the attention of Jesus toward this centurion? Well, it wasn't this centurion's reputation. It wasn't his good deeds. It wasn't even his helpless circumstance of having a servant who was on his deathbed. It was the centurion's willingness to humbly ask for help that turned Jesus' head. His willingness to ask for help. Now, in the, the limited counseling that I've done... There's a term that I use and I've heard others use called having a client. So if someone's in my office for help because one of their parents forced them to meet with me or their spouse forced them to meet with me, 9.9 times out of 10, I don't have a client. Okay? That means they are sitting there going, hmm, they don't want help. So guess what? I can't really help them. But even if the person is in the darkest situation possible, if they come wanting help, we got a fighting chance to to cover some ground and to move forward. Hymn writer Joseph Scriven, who wrote, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, said, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So I'd ask you, what what compassion of Jesus are you forfeiting simply because you won't utter these two words? Jesus, help. Regardless of your good reputation, or maybe on the other end of the spectrum, regardless of your helpless circumstance in life right now, you're in desperate need of the compassion of Jesus today, and you're in desperate need of the help of Jesus today. Ask for it. Receive it. Be like this centurion. Humbly ask for it. At the end of this message here today, you're going to have an opportunity to come get some prayer. Don't be too prideful to come get prayer. We are all in need of it. We're all in need of help. Humble yourself. The second response we see to Jesus' compassion and power is adoration or worship. Verse 16, this is everybody who's there watching this this guy get raised from the dead. Verse 16, then fear came over everyone and they glorified God saying, a great prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people. Adoration. They came face to face with the compassion and power of God and they couldn't help but adore and worship God. God is among us, God is here they say. It says, fear came over everyone. Now, I I think of the derecho a year ago this past summer. And I remember when that happened. I remember having my bike that day and riding my bike home. That was a crazy bike ride. Okay, I mean, I'm just looking around going, I mean, just jaw dropped. What is going on? I mean, I'm having to take routes. I didn't even know existed to get home. Just on my bike. okay. Then you, I'm sure you guys remember this. And then you're driving around the countryside seeing the fields and the grain bins. And you're going, whoa. That's, that's what's happening here. That type of fear and awe and amazement at the power of God. You and I come face to face with the power of God every day, whether you realize it or not. Depending on the day in Iowa, you you step outside and a wind whips your face. Or the sun warms your skin or the humidity makes you melt or the cold chills you to the bone. This is the power of God. Or on another day, maybe you're really tempted with some sort of sin and you don't. You don't give in. Guess what? That's the power of God flowing through you. You and I also come face to face with the compassion of God every day, whether you, be- whether, whether you believe it, whether you recognize it or not. When you woke up this morning, you were still breathing. That's the compassion of God. If you are in Christ, you screw up, and immediately you are forgiven because of the cross of Christ. That's the compassion of God. You're alone, or maybe you feel really alone, yet you're never alone. God is with you. That's the compassion of God. When we stop to notice the compassion and the power of God, it should move us to worship. It should move us to saying, wow, thank you, Jesus. You are amazing. Worship is not merely songs that we sing during a service on Sunday morning. Worship is responding to Jesus in awe and wonder in any circumstance in a variety of different ways. This is why I end most of our services by saying, have a great week worshiping Jesus. Why? Because worship cannot and should not end here with songs. It's a great start. But you you can worship and adore God in your car, at work, at home, any place, through a variety of different means. Worship is not singing. Worship is making much of God in any circumstance. Worshiping Him because He is worthy. So I don't want to just talk about the power and compassion of God here this morning. I want to give us a chance to experience the power and compassion of God here this morning. Right here, right now, I want to experience this. So if you missed last week, we have a new mission statement, and it's on the back walls right now if you take a look. It's for the family as a family of Christ, and then we have some descriptors under that. It's also out in the lobby. So I want to give you two opportunities, and you don't have to take either of these opportunities. Please don't feel any pressure, but I would love if you are feeling moved, if you, if you want to, go for it. I would love it if you did. What an incredible opportunity to, to experience for the family. We're gonna, we have communion um, that we're going to do in, in just a couple seconds here, right outside these doors. And... Um, When you go up for communion, there's some instructions, you know, pray this, take the bread, pray this, take the juice. I want you to go, if you came with your family, go with your family this morning. If you came by yourself, go by yourself, that's fine too. Or if you want to join another family, go for it, that'd be great. I want to give you an opportunity as a family to take communion together. And there's a guide back there for you to take it. I also want to give you another opportunity. So in the front, I'm going to have some elders, and you guys can come forward. And those elders that uh, will be praying for people, you guys can come on forward right now. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to come get prayed for, and I know it's a humbling thing to get prayed for, and um, and just for time's sake too, we're not gonna we're not gonna stand here and 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 take you know long prayer requests. We're just come up either by yourself or as a family however you want to do that and we want to we want to be we don't want to just be about the family we want to be a family of Christ here but I don't I'm not giving anyone a free pass here this morning either so when you're not up or if you decide not to go up I want you to pray from your seat for the people who are getting prayed for up here let's be a family let's experience the compassion and power of God today and you by the way you don't have to do this in any certain order Um, But let's take this time now and experience Christ together as a family. Let me pray and we'll do that. God, I pray that this time now would be special, that we would experience you who gave your life on the cross for us. What compassion, what power, that we would experience the power of the Spirit through prayer. I, I haven't experienced Many more powerful yet compassionate things in my life than having someone pray over me. So I pray that they would experience that now. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.